the things that one needs to do to a human body in order to dismember it is a very different fucking thing. Between the present and the past, memories held in the walls and earth, energies and entities that cross the barrier into our dreams and our consciousness. That which has been left behind between the living and the dead. I'm Emily. And I'm Joy. And this is Is The the Residuals. Residuals. Bonus episode. Boo. Yeah. Surprise. Who's Hi. that? It's us. Trick or treat yourself, mother. It's, it's not a Wednesday. It's not. It's not a Wednesday. It's a Sunday. It is. How are you? I'm fine. Yeah? Yeah. I well, I was cutting. Are you, I thought oh, I was supposed shit. to be in this room. Are you so, in the zone? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm just gonna like chill. And I don't like cutting on this computer. So like, I'm just going to like take a couple of hits of this calm pen. Oh, no. Oh, no. So like, fucking scare me. (laughs) All right. Heidi ho, Halloween. And I put this on my hands. (gasps) Pop and Barkley. I used to use that stuff. I love it. I'm always Um, worried that I just smell like old bung water. When I oh, put it up, no, I think it smells good, and I don't, I don't like the way weed smells. Mm-mm, mm-mm. It smells good, but this is there's like a lot of lavender and shit in here. Anyway, I don't, I don't know drugs. I don't know how to drugs. I don't, not. I've never been good at drugs. That's why I'm here to be your friend and guide you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, my husband tries. Doesn't yeah. <laughs> No, I he was, what the fuck were we talking about he said he was like he got a ticket oh he said he got a ticket for a show we, and we've been like back and forth like oh should he go how do we feel about mm-hmm. it blah, blah blah and he got some email saying that like doors open at 6 a.m and he's like oh, i think that's wrong and i was like oh no it's an all-day thing they mm-hmm. you get in and they hand you your peyote and then you go off and he was like yeah like it sounds great and i was like that sounds like a horror movie to me that sounds terrible no thank you no thank (laughs) you did i ever tell you we watched like that grateful dead documentary and they were telling a story about how they went to some fucking televised i don't know party thing some fucking weird 60s shit and they like put acid in the coffee pots and didn't tell anyone fuck that and i was like oh that's horrible and Tim that's was just awful. laughing and i was like no see we just mm-mm, mm-mm. you mm-mm. fucking pisces weirdo i know nope. 
Having a surprise trip is quite possibly one of the worst things that could ever happen. I can't even like, I I don't even really like their music. I'm just so not there. I can't do noodling. I can't take it. It's just a wank. It's a, it's a guitar wank for 15 minutes and then someone else picks up. But like, and I play guitar and I have for fucking ever, you know, but like, it's just not, it's not my thing. Like give me a 13 minute Smashing Pumpkins song or like Tool song any fucking day. Okay. But I just can't do dead. I can't do fish. I can't do Dave Matthews, like any of them. Dave Dave Matthews was can't man. Um we have uh we decorated the front of our house and um a kid got really into it, which is really fun. She really loves like the scary shit. So I'm like, yes, that's my child. Um the pink frilly tutu stuff. I'm like, no, where did you come from? Um But we have fake crows that like look like legit crows that we have. And we have like, uh, there's a, there's a posse of crows that like circulates like different spots in our, in our, in the area that we live in. It's called a murder. Oh, my bad. Hmm. A murder. I mean, which good. By the way, by the way, my voice is like this because everyone in my house has been sick. Five-year-olds have Petri dishes on legs. So I, but it sounds like a sex line voice or something. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I'll include a number on our social media after this for you to call and give me a I a, think you were talking minute, about right. wholesome family decoration. Oh, sorry. You're right. Yeah. Anyway, but um, <laughs> but we have them like we've got them on the tree out front and then I've put them on the fence and they look really realistic. And I was going out to my car this morning and there I was hit. I heard like this really terrifying noise. And there was a giant fucking crow on the roof of our neighbor's garage, like staring in our direction, just like, Caw! Caw! why won't you guys talk to me? <laughs> it's like, sorry, bro. They don't want to talk to you. Oh my God, that poor yep. crow. So confused. And the worst thing is, it's, you know, we had really bad rainstorms and mm-hmm. thunderstorms the other week and one of them blew off and it was just laying on the ground looking dead. And so like, I don't know if they thought maybe we'd killed one of their brethren or something, but yeah, they're like something oh, fucked yeah. up is going on at the house. Watch out. Mm-hmm. Watch out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you ready? Joy. Yeah, I'm I'm ready. I am. Okay. I, I'm ready. I'm a little I'm very calm. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Um well we are going to do a Halloween tradition of a historical haunting and neither of us knows what the other one is going to be talking about until now okay so yay um my story is about the most haunted town in kansas called atchinson oh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. are you ready i am and i'm interested Oh my god! I'm so, that makes me so happy. I don't okay. know that I know this. Yeah. <gasps> I know. I'm so proud of myself. I don't know if you know mine either, but I'm. I'm. You know, I fucking hope not. And it, even if fun. I do, I'll pretend like I don't. I'll be like, oh, I haven't had it. 
rude. Okay, sorry. Just okay. All right, I won't lie to you. Okay, so okay. the most haunted town in Kansas, Atchison, Kansas. So this town is so haunted that the Travel Channel, uh-huh, the big, the big name in paranormal television has done a special on the town itself. Really? Yes, madam. Okay, so this town is located an hour northwest of Kansas City, Missouri, slash Kansas, and it is an attraction for paranormal investigators and ghost hunters. Now, since westward migration in the latter part of the 1800s, this is a history lesson, by the way. Love it. Into it. No big deal. Okay. The town was a center for transportation and became a railroad hub, and it once played host to over 1,600 wagons per day as settlers Whoa. made their way. Yeah, as settlers made their way west um, to the gold fields of California in the 1850s. That could be a typo. I think 1,600 is a lot. Um, maybe it's 16. Who knows? It said 1,600. A lot of people. Okay, then maybe it was 1,600. Yeah. yeah. So in the 1850s, so the town is full of stories about ghostly sightings and other paranormal events. Oh. So it's known for its sightings, bizarre happenings and paranormal stories. And the town thrives on its seasonal haunted events, specifically during the fall season. Um, and the most famous uh, haunted spot in this paranormal paradise is called the Sally House. The Sally House. Dun, dun, dun. Oh Are you ready? Uh-huh. I think. Yes. Okay. okay. Now, <clears throat> the Sally House story starts with the building of a modest two-story brick home at 508 North 2nd Street in 1871. Nobody named Sally is anywhere in its origins. Um, and in fact, it was actually a Dr. Charles Finney who commissioned the building of the home for his family to live in. And the local legend attached to the home is that a woman, um, is that of a woman who rushed her sick six-year-old daughter named Sally to the home of the doctor after the girl complained of severe abdominal pain. And when Dr. Finney discovered that the girl's appendix was on the verge of rupturing, he opted to perform surgery on her at his residence, but didn't allow time for the anesthesia mm. to kick in before beginning the procedure. And the little girl died on the table. No, 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 no. Now here's the thing. This oh. is a story. That's the thing. So this is like what the local legend is. And you oh. and I both know from, you know, doing the show for the past two years, two and a half Probably years. Probably horse pucky. That, well, yeah, but it's, uh, it's like, this is one of those things. Could it be an urban legend that has come to life? And so now sure. people talk about it, it enough that it's. It's just manifested yeah. into something that never actually took exactly. place. Right? And, and hence the house is known as. The Sally House. So mm. there you go. Um, now, a later story involves a tenant of the house who had a little girl who claimed to have an imaginary friend called a Sally. So if you put the two and two together, you might like get that the, the imaginary friend was the ghost of the little girl sure. Sally from the way back. But, you know, again, like these, these stories aren't necessarily well documented, so it could just be whatever. Okay. <clears throat> it wasn't until 1992 when a young couple moved into the house that the true horror 
of what resided inside gained national attention. Mm. So newlyweds, Tony and Deborah Pickman were ecstatic when they found out that they were going to have a baby. However, this meant that they had to find a bigger home. So they found a beautiful 128-year-old home located at 508 North 2nd Street in December of 1992, oh. the Sally House. So it was perfect for their growing family with a room that they could turn into a nursery for the baby. So shortly after they moved in, Tony was an artist, um, like just in his hobby, like in his spare time. And so they were like, they they breeded this room and something that they noticed you know, while waiting for the baby to be born, anytime they were in that room and doing shit, their dog Sasha would stand in the nursery room doorway and growl and refuse to go in the room. Right. But Tony, yeah, Tony dismissed it as perhaps the leftover scent of the previous owner's pets, which. Okay. Well, no. Right. I mean, I will say when we moved to America, we lived in a rental for a bit until we found like the house that we moved into and our dog, did piss everywhere. Um, so maybe it's just the same or not. Um, okay. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, so happy and hopeful that this would be the perfect dream home to start their family. Tony and his wife had no idea that they had moved into what would turn into be their worst nightmare. The activity seemed to start around a month after the couple moved in. And it was far milder at the beginning than what was to come. In the earlier days of their time at the house, the couple only recounts small things occurring, like uh, lights dimming, cold spots, toys playing on their own. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and their dog acting strangely. Two specific things that happen. Um, uh, Tony was coming down the stairs one morning and he found a photo of the family um, it was hanging completely straight, but it was upside down. Um, another the, the photo was upside down. It wasn't like someone had knocked it and it was wonky upside down. It was like. Just turned 180 compl- degrees. Yeah, 180 degrees. So it was okay. hanging perfectly straight, but just upside down. Okay. Right. Um, another time, uh, Deborah was taking laundry upstairs when she felt a coldness across her, like a rush of air past her as if a child were running past her up the stairs. No. Just uh, no big deal. But it's fine. Right. So after the birth of their son, Taylor, the activity seemed to pick up a bit more, even keeping the baby awake at all hours. In fact, later on, the couple discovered from a neighbor that the nursery lights remained on all throughout the night, even after the Pikmin switched them off so the baby could rest. Strange, yeah, strange mold um, even began to form on various household items for unexplained reasons. So one day, Tony wanted to surprise his wife, new mom, by cleaning the house while she was at work. And as he used the vacuum, it would shut off every time he got near to the door to the nursery. So when he would go check, the cord was unplugged, but it wasn't from his vacuuming because there was a bunch of slack in the line, right? Oh, so he plugs it in, he goes back, and as he's going back towards the nursery, he, he hears music. And when he looks in uh, the nursery, the baby's mobile is spinning around above the crib and it begins to go 
faster and faster and faster and he got freaked out. And from that point, he was like, yep, no, our kid is not going to be sleeping in this room. Okay, good. Right. Finally, some some common sense. Yeah. Right. So a few weeks after the new baby was born, Deborah's sister, Karen, came to visit for a week. Now, Karen had just had her first child a few months previously, and she knew how rough his guts those first few months were. Um, and Deborah was like super stoked for the help from her sister yeah. uh, because Tony worked nights, it, it turns oh. out. So um, that just one, made this a lot scarier. Right. <sighs> anyway, so one day they all came home from a day out. Tony took the baby's bag upstairs. And when he walked past the nursery, he noticed that the baby's teddy bears were arranged in a circle on the floor. No, we're not having fucking Teddy Ruxman seance. Right. Light as a feather, stick as a bear. Anyway, so (laughs) um, he thought that maybe Deborah has done it, but like he went downstairs and she knew nothing of it. So um, they they all went upstairs to check and like Deborah was stumped. So when they turned to go back downstairs, the light was out. And Karen noticed that the light turned back on by itself. And when Tony investigated... There was just one bear sitting on the floor where there had previously been a no. circle. No. So, and that's when they were like, ah, oh, something fucked up is happening. So yeah. they all, at this point, they noped out of the house to go. Where, where were the bears? Uh, did they find them? Um, they, like, I don't know. Look, it doesn't. Were they just like, fuck that. It doesn't like... say. I think they were just like, bye bye. Okay. So like they noped out of the house at, like immediately to go stay at Tony's parents um, but as he was putting Taylor, their baby, into his car seat, the baby began to cry hysterically. And it was then that Tony suddenly felt sharp pains on his back. And when Deborah looked at it, she was stunned to see scratches about five oh. inches long in his flesh. Whoa. And here's the thing. For some batshit reason, Deborah thought it would be cool if they had a ghost. Um, but Tony wasn't quite in agreement on that subject. Not at that moment, I'm no. sure she changed her mind, right? No, no, she was like, maybe that'd be cool. Um, Tony's like, eh, no. She just had a baby, though. Yeah, right. She's it's, very tired and very, very tired. hormonal and might have thought that, like, maybe the ghost could just fucking feed the baby in the middle right. of the night. Exactly. Ghost night nurse. Maybe they can do the the shushes, just be the, yeah. the shush white noise machine. Stop moaning, start shushing. Oh, God, Joy. I see that on a t-shirt and a bumper right now. <laughs> Stop moaning. Start shushing. This is the story of the shusher. <gasps> okay, so I found an interview with Deborah who had this to say about their early experiences in the house. And I quote, Tony and I dealt with that situation in two very different ways. I'd been interested in the paranormal as a teenager and was ecstatic that I was in a situation to experience it for myself. I'm sorry. (laughs) Jesus Christ, Debbie. Ecstatic. I just knew that if given the right situation and approach, there could be real communication between the spirit and the human world. And I was excited for the opportunity to give it a try. Oh, they communicate. Debbie, you dum-dum. And then she continues, Tony, on the other hand, 
was rather cemented in the religious teachings and beliefs that he was brought up with. The spirits were an unnatural occurrence, a bad thing, and something to ignore or leave alone. The fact that Tony was affected differently because he was having distinctly different and worrisome experiences than I also set us apart on how we dealt with being haunted. Tony almost always felt uncomfortable not knowing what he was going to hear or see next. Okay. I have questions now. Yeah, go for it. Do we think that she was just home, la, 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 talking to the ghosts the whole time? So she was like, you're like, shut up, Joy. Let me get to that. Listen, I don't want to do that, but shut up, Joy. I'm going to get to that. All right, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Right. Okay, go ahead. So shortly after the attack, the Pickman sought the help of a local psychic medium named Barbara Connors, who visited the home in order to get a better idea of what was taking place here. I'm just going to do a sidebar and say, after reading what Barbara said and did, I'm going to say maybe don't call Barbara. And this is why. Don't call Barbara. Don't call Barbara. Episode two. (laughs) (laughs) Don't call Barbara. Um, So Barbara's conclusion at the time was that a little girl named Sally was inhabiting the home and did much of her haunting just to get attention from the family. So upon Connor's advice, the couple tried their best to embrace Sally as sort of a ghostly daughter. As I said, do not listen to Barbara. No. Jesus, Barbara. You don't know that's really Sally? So wanting to be there for Sally, Deborah gave the spirit toys that could be her own. She gave Sally a pad of paper and a crayon on which she wrote asking Sally's age. Debbie left the pad and crayon in the nursery with a gift that was a baby doll in a box that she'd wrapped in gift paper. So Debbie kept checking and then checking and then checking until finally she found the baby doll gift sitting in the crib. And Sally had answered her question on the pad. The spirit claimed to be that of a seven-year-old girl, but the shit kicker is that somehow whatever was in that room had gotten the doll out of the box and left the wrapping paper intact on it. It had not been opened at all from the outside. Wait, had what? Yeah, the doll that had been wrapped was sitting in the crib, but the box that it was in that was still wrapped was still sitting on the floor. Um, uh, So that happened. And, of course, Debbie's like, oh, cool. Hi, Sally. Nice to meet you. No, Deborah. Oh, so at this time, Tony was working third shift from which he got home at around like 7 a.m. That's my dog. Um, and one morning uh, he was in the kitchen getting a drink after getting in when he saw something at the corner of his eye. And what he thought he saw was Sally's spirit. And he was so shook that he dropped the glass that had been in his hand. And as it shattered, the manifestation disappeared. Tony freaked out ran to his sleeping wife and told her he'd seen the ghost. And guess what Deborah's reaction was? She was jealous. Of course. Deborah was pissed. And because Tony was an artist, he drew what he'd seen. And I ah. actually have a picture of that. And I also have pictures of the scratches on his body. So I will, if you're interested, put that on our social media. Yes, please. I'm just stuck thinking that this is going to look like a picture from dead files and it's a little bit what it looks like show me the goods so that i might accurately gasp (laughs) okay 
get the what is this what is the the who i don't know. what it's that, missing what's a happening with her cabbage hair? hat i uh, it's some um, shirley temple bullshit okay so that happened okay anyway so deborah's <clears throat> jealous Deb- debbie is jealous man uh-huh. So anyway, Tony's mother knew about her, what, what, what had been going on at the house, but she didn't want to acknowledge it because, again, Tony was raised in a very religious household and blah, blah, blah. So I can't find out. I've looked and I can't find out the, the details of the circumstances that triggered this, um, this situation. But um, one day she was visiting them and uh, something happened and something, apparently the spirit that was in the house, picked up an oil lamp and threw it at Tony's mother just oh. missing her head. And it was at this point, not any other point, but this point that Tony knew it was something way beyond a little girl. And that created conflict between Tony and Deborah. Hold because, on. Yeah. I just need to interject because anyone who has a young child knows that they'll throw shit at your head. Dude, let's not even get into it. You know, you know. Five-year-olds are small, but they're very strong. So I think it's cute that the parents-to-be are like, this is obviously not. (laughs) Like they've got a newborn. They're like, this child will never hurt us. Just you wait, Tony. Just wait, Tony. You You have no idea what cometh. (sighs) So obviously this this started a little bit of conflict between Tony and Deborah. (laughs) Tony was mad because he's getting the brunt of the damage, but Deborah simply thought that it was a little girl because like she wasn't really seeing what was happening. And I think, and this is something that like, I've got an interview that I'm going to, I've got a a, more of the interview with Deborah later on. And this is like, and she concedes that like something in that house was like pitting them against each other. And there was that mental manipulation going on where she was like, everything's great. It's just a little girl. And Tony was like, I know it's not. I know it's not just a little girl. And because he knew and he wasn't like buying into all this bullshit, the thing was like going off to Tony. Yeah, this is just like Bonnie and Courtney. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Which Bonnie and Courtney, if you're a new listener, they were on our show. The episode is called Burying the Lead. Episode five of season two. But um, thank you. Anyway, so it continues. One night, Tony began hearing a scratching sound behind the bed. He wakes up to hear a scratching sound behind the bed. Sounded like an animal digging to get out of the wall. But when Tony turned around, the spirit of his little girl was there. No. And it reached for him. No. And it grabbed his wrist. And when he woke up in the morning, he had three marks burned into his arm from where the manifestation had grabbed him. No. Right. So this and this is like this is another excerpt from the interview with Debbie. She says, I remain sure that there was a young and innocent child in the house who needed protection and to be cared for. Tony had experienced seeing an older female on several occasions, which I couldn't find anything about that. But this Hmm. is what like this is Debbie in an interview. So I'm like, all right, Debbie, that's cool. So he saw an older lady. Um, But I thought that his experiences could be explained by fatigue, stress and lack of sleep. Because that's what happens when you are sleep deprived. 
that you get scratches appearing on you and fingerprints burned into your arm, tiny ones. Um, and then she says, the realization that there was more than one spirit in the house became clear at Christmas when we had photos developed in which there were two very distinctly different animal um, an- anomalies, anomalies, anomalies. This seems an anomaly. Things. This seemed to support Tony's claim that there were two things, and we began to look at things a little differently. Hmm. So after this, when he got like physically attacked again, it was at this point that Deborah knew they needed help. You think, Deborah? So she did what any rational person would do. She called the producers of the TV show sightings. (gasps) Oh, shit. Yeah, girl, there's an episode. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So the crew came out and they interviewed Deborah in the kitchen. And here's the thing. In the kitchen, she'd put like, she tried to make it like, look, whatever, good. So she'd put a single rose in like a bud vase um, on the kitchen windowsill. But while the interview was going on, the rose, suddenly they realized it looked burned. Like someone had taken, they said it was like someone had taken a blow tip, a, a blow torch to the tips of the petals. So they reviewed the footage and the crew discovered that like in one frame, the rose was fine. And then the very next frame, it was burned. What? It just like. Boom, happened. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So they also interviewed Tony, who didn't want to be known as the crazy guy, quote, unquote. So he was uh, interviewed in a silhouette. So while filming, uh, while they were going around and filming, a producer was holding a thermal imager and walking like he was walking through with with Tony um, and he felt something on his hand. It was an intense cold sensation that ran up his arm through his chest and then went straight for Tony behind him and attacked Tony. Whoa. Um, yeah, and right before the film crew's eyes, huge claw marks appeared on Tony's torso, and the producer immediately stopped the filming as it was apparent that their filming was putting Tony's life in danger, and the entire crew knew at this point that this was not the ghost of a little girl. So after the sightings show group left, the situation intensified. No shit. Um, God damn it. Deborah. Deborah had no idea of what Tony was really going through. But seeing his wounds helped her come around and fully understand that her family was probably in danger. So she began researching the history of the house and found no mention of anyone named Sally in the house ever. So that's when they started questioning what was really in their house. It was at this point that it finally it took her that long. I'm I know. Sorry. Really? Oh, girl, listen. What year? Wait, no, this was 92. They moved in in 92. So here's the thing. All right. Okay. It was at this point that it finally clicked for Deborah that Sally was a facade for something much, much darker that was tormenting the family in their home. Clearly. But wait. The final straw came one morning after returning from a night shift as Tony was, my lights just flickered, as Tony was trying to sleep, it started with him waking up to hear more disturbing sounds like the scratching he'd previously heard. Something was trying to come through the wall. 
Then he started hearing the whispers of multiple people and suddenly the drawers began opening and closing and the bed began to shake. And it was then that Tony saw dust particles begin to take the shape of a woman. And suddenly the silhouette launched itself at Tony and tried to strangle him. (gasps) Debbie was out at the time at the library. And when she returned, she found him curled up in the fetal position beside the bed, terrified, like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. So um, I, here's, here's one of my last things from, from Debbie that I found in the interview. Tony and I wholeheartedly believe that although there may have been a human spirit there at times, the bulk of the activity and quote-unquote show was used as a facade to hide behind. We believe that the house had or has at least one very strong and powerful dark entity capable of altering thoughts, perception, emotions, and actions of those it wishes to inflict these elements upon. We believe that the intention of this dark presence was to cause chaos and bring down everything good within a God-fearing family, that presenting as an innocent young female would be more acceptable and less threatening, and it would easily be accepted by us and then be able to do its damage. This attempt worked with me, And I not only accepted it, I unwittingly enticed it with continued acceptance and interaction. You know what? Hindsight's 2020. So after two years of this in the home, the Pickmans packed up and moved. The house remains uninhabited to this day. However, if you want to go explore and experience the entities, you can stay the night at the haunted house starting at a rate of $125 per person a night. And all attendees must be 18 years or older, and every guest must sign a waiver in case of personal injury, although nothing serious has happened since the Pikmins lived there. What do they consider serious? So, here's the thing. The Pikmins still live in Atchison. Really? Mm -hmm. So, as I said at the top of this story, Atchison is the most haunted town in Kansas. So it's not just the Sally house. These are the Mm -hmm. other spots that are haunted. One is called the Gargoyle Home. (laughs) It's not scary at all. Um, It's also referred to as the Wagoner House, and it's a turn-of-the-century home that was built in 1884-1885 by B.P. Wagner, who was a lawyer and politician in the Atchison area in the late 1800s. Now, while gargoyles are usually erected to scare off evil spirits, legend has it that Wagner accumulated his wealth through a deal with the devil. Oh, the I gargoyles, love it. right? And the gargoyles <laughs> were constructed in honor of the pact. It yes. is said, right? It is said that the house is afflicted by an evil curse. One homeowner who attempted to remove the gargoyles fell to his death from the staircase. I'm sorry you died, but I love this story. Right? <laughs> uh, okay. Another one is the Please North. tell me that if you like look at the house from above in a drone shot, like you can draw like a pentagram if you connect to the garden. Probably. Oh my God. Somebody please. Find it's like a dot to dot. We should, you, we should get on Google maps. Okay. Seriously. The next one is called the North third street home. It was once inhabited by an elderly single school teacher named Nellie true blood. Come on. I know. Great name, but actually the place I found this, they've actually interviewed her nephew. She was like a legit person. Her nephew now lives in Colorado and they interviewed him. Oh, her great nephew. Anyway, uh, so legends told 
say that companionless and bereft she died in the house. I think that's just fucking bullshit. I think she was just like, fuck this. I'm cool with being alone. So, but she died alone in the house anyway. Um, so when the house was sold, the new owners began renovating it evidently to Nellie's chagrin. It is said that when crews are working within the house, they report seeing gleaming balls of light measuring 18 to 24 inches, which hovered just out of reach. And if approached, the lights quickly move away. Frightened, the work crews quickly abandon the project before the restorations are ever completed. And so her nephew um, or great nephew was interviewed and he was like, you know, I doubt that she was like bereft and like lonely, but from what I know of Aunt Nellie, I would not be surprised if she is not happy that someone is trying to mess with her house and fix it. So yeah, way to go, Nellie. I'd do it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, next one is called the Riverview Drive Home. Several strange occurrences have been reported in this house, such as the television and stereo mysteriously turning on at full volume and noises from rooms where no one is occupying. Oh, that's normal. No big deal. On one (laughs) such occasion, the resident thought the noise was her dog and called out to him. However, instead of the dog responding to her call, an elderly woman's ghostly spirit entered the room. Wrapped in a shroud, the spirit smoothed a place on the bed and then sat next to the resident. Stop. Is this seat taken? I'm just gonna. I got some crumbs here. I just gotta wipe them off so I can sit down in Have my you petticoat. Put the tea on. What yes. Are you watching this afternoon. Oh yeah. It's funny oh you should say God. tea. Just wait till oh. one of the other. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh. Screaming, the resident ran from the room to be answered by the slamming of the attic door behind her. Another strange experience has occurred to several guests who have stayed within the house. Apparently, when guests stay in this home, they are instructed to place their luggage at a space at the top of the stairs, which leads to the attic. However, the spirit seemingly doesn't like the suitcases stored in this area because the luggage is often found tossed to the bottom of the stairs. (laughs) I'm going to say that's not a haunting. I'm going to say that's a five-year-old. Just going on. That's it. That is it. Okay. So this one, cup of tea, Kearney and Fifth Street home. According to the former owners of this house, a friendly ghost lingers here. While there are many unexplained events, such as the sounds of someone walking throughout the house, this ghost is seemingly a very helpful. At one point, the ghost helped the man of the house into his dinner jacket. Thinking his wife, his wife had helped him, he turned around to thank her, but no one was there on oh. another as you do they're like oh thanks oh my god um on another occasion when the cup the same couple was returning home from a trip the wife mentioned that she would love a cup of tea when she got home upon their arrival home the tea kettle was hissing and a cup saucer tea bag and spoon were sitting on the counter now this is my kind i could of, get into this right thank yes. you yes only like i would like a pg tips no sugar Lactose-free milk because I'm over 40 and dairy now does weird things to my body. I don't even need that much. Like Tim has been really good. He like gets the coffee pot ready. (gasps) So like neither of us can go the extra step and set it because we're idiots. So if we could just get like a coffee pot ghost to like press the button when it hears us. Yes. Isn't that, I don't have to worry about a kettle anymore. No. I always use electric kettles. I don't understand the stovetop bullshit. I use I use electric kettles, but we got one of those uh, sparklets water things with the giant. Yeah. Because I don't drink tap water from LA because 
I don't. Um, and we're very lucky that we are able to afford the luxury. It's a it's a privilege thing um, that we're able to afford the luxury of having a water dispenser that I can get instant hot water for my tea. Yeah, very happy. the instant hot water is really a it's game changer. A fucking game changer, mate. It is. Right. <clears throat> Next place, the Mercantia Villa. 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 This stately mansion uh, at... 1301 Kansas Avenue was built by Irish immigrant John McIntyre. John McIntyre. McIntyre. That's my my Irish accent. John McIntyre. Um, In 1890, the villa was placed. See? Bye. I got a a little bit of Irish in me. Somewhere. Um, Anyway. um, John McIntyre. The villa was placed on the National Register of Historic Places on March 25th, 1975, and odd phenomena are reported in the mansion, including lights turning on and off in the tower, which doesn't have electricity. People walking or driving past the building have often reported seeing figures at the window when no one is in the house. Figures have often been reported to appear in photographs taken inside of the old villa. I don't know, man. Like when I think about that, I think about um, Home Alone when Kevin just puts like cardboard cutouts yeah. of people in the window, but they didn't appear in pictures. So, okay, maybe not. So next one is the Muchnik Muchnik, M-U-C-H-N-I-C house. Muchnik. Thank you. Mr. Probably. Muchnik? I don't know. Mush- the Muchnik house. It's an Audrey. It's so- a, yeah. Yeah. So built in 1885, this old home was... The, the host to frequent Saturday night parties. Whee! On one such evening, the event ran into the wee hours of Sunday morning. Oh. Having been kept up very late, a maid who worked for the party the prior evening overslept the next morning. Rushing from her bedchamber, she ran down the back staircase to the kitchen and fell to her death. Now, oh. the day witnesses report that lights from the back staircase turn on and off by themselves on Sunday mornings, followed by the smell of cooking bacon from the kitchen when no one is there. Oh. Now, yeah, so this house now uh, serves as an art gallery and um, it was listed on the National Register of Historic Places in July 1974. So I found a review of someone who had been there to the gallery that witnessed something. And she says, my husband and I took a guided tour of the Muchnik, the house, the gallery, whatever, two years ago. And I had quite an interesting experience. The nice lady who gave us the tour gave us all the history of the house. And when I happened to glance up to the top of the stairs, I saw a young woman, maybe early 20s, peering over the edge of the banister. (gasps) And she seemed to be regarding us all with the wary curiosity as if to say, what are you doing here? But when we went upstairs to tour the rest of the house, no one else was up there. And that is the story of Atchison, the most haunted town in Kansas. You're welcome. And see. Nicely done. Nicely Thank you. Done. I'm goosebumpy and I'm wiping tears out of my eyes. Are you okay? Yeah, I just felt bad. It's so sad that like just it's that like stupid way to die, you know, just running know, down the right? Like you're in your 20s, like you're you basically haven't done shit right (laughs) right you know it fucking sucks i know oh man i don't know that gave me 
That was good. Gotta say, I didn't like the fact that my lights dimmed. My lights keep dimming. Hey. But we're not going to talk about that right now. It's fine. It's nothing. If you have a scary story of your own that when you listen to us, you think, oh, I should send my stuff in, email us at theresidualspodcast at gmail.com. We also have Instagram, the underscore residuals underscore podcast. And I think we have a Twitter too, don't we, Joy? We do. We definitely have a Twitter. It is at the residuals pod. Just that pod? Just that. Drop the cast for Twitter. We look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, should we get back to the show? Oh, heck yeah. All right. All right. I have to say, like, my favorite kids to have, I mean, like, I I love all the trick-or-treaters that come. Don't get me wrong. I really love the kids that are, like, junior high and high school <laughs> kids. I do. Because I'm yeah. like, you know what? I'd rather you be trick-or-treating than, like, off- chugging boone's farm in well, do the that burger later. king parking lot right now they'll do that later and yeah eat the candy. But like they can have the i'd rather they do that i don't know no i like it because i feel like they're going no we really just fucking like dressing up and trick-or-treating right we're not doing this for scene and not too cool for zero it. cred on this like mm-hmm. we just really dug this outfit um you want me to tell you my story obviously okay <clears throat> I'm going to try not to meander, but like it kind of you jumps, it jumps around like time periods. So I'll, okay. I'll try to try not to confuse me. I get easily confused as right, you know. Right. I mean, my sister's blonde, so I'm used to that. I have experience. This is not real. It doesn't matter. Hair color. It's really just a vibe. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how to take that. Are you, maybe it's a compliment. I, I mean, know. like I, my hair grows out of my head brown, but I always felt like it was more of a red vibe. So, you know, I get that. I get that. Legit. Um, okay, I'm comfy. Okay. Once upon a time. Once upon a time in Cleveland, <laughs> Ohio, in the neighborhood of Mason Court, in the 1960s, a family started experiencing some very strange things. They would hear crying and moaning and screaming sometimes of just disembodied voices coming from under their floor. What? Where there was sort of like a basement slash crawl space. There wasn't a door down to the basement. There was just a trap door in the floor that you pulled up. Okay, no. So they would hear these things. And sometimes it sounded like something was trying to scratch its way out of the basement. Yeah, but that's like a a raccoon, right? You'd think, right? Once the trap door started pushing itself up while they were sitting there, the trap door started opening in their living room while they were watching it after hearing these disembodied moans and cries. And it looked like a hand was pushing the trap door up. Like a tiny hand, like attached to a trash panda. No, no. A large human hand attached to no nothing. No, thank you. No, just thank a you. hand. No. Just a hand. No. So they, I guess, would have like 
times when this would happen and, and, you know, how things ebb and flow and hauntings, but it became so much that one day the mom of the family decides I'm going to go down in this motherfucking basement and see what the fuck is going on No, because maybe it is a raccoon, right? Wait, but no, don't do that. <laughs> now, the other thing that this family doesn't know is there are several other families in this neighborhood having very similar experiences in the same time period while they are. So the whole neighborhood is having these little pockets of screams and cries and seeing disembodied pieces of people. So mom says, I'm going to the basement. She goes to the basement. Something starts moving. I think it was like in a laundry basket or something. She sees it moving and a hand comes out. Shut the fuck up. Just a hand. No. So she books it out of the basement and her husband goes, I'm going to go down there. He goes down. Same thing happens. He gets the bejesus scared out of him by a hand, which I would have the bejesus scared out of me too. And he runs upstairs, but he doesn't stop there. He gets some nails and a hammer and he nails the trap door shut. Right. Thank you. Right. Good idea. Good idea. We can't leave this place, but I'll be damned if that hand is going to come out of the basement again. Right. right? I support that decision. The next day, they start hearing noises again in the basement. And it continues. They hear scratching. And then the nails start to come out of the floor. I'm sorry. What? Like they're being pushed up out of the... Yes. Okay. The nails are pushed up out of the wood floor <laughs> trap door that has been nailed shut. And the trap door opens and the hand is there. I would have set that place on fire. So they called the police. The police went down and saw the same fucking thing. And we're like, we're getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, the we don't know how to help the, you. The, saw the, the police saw hand. the hand. Yes. So in the 70s. Wait, hang on. Stop a minute. Yeah. They're still there at the next decade? Oh, this went on. Like the, the neighborhood experienced these things for a very long time. Shut up. Yeah. That sounds like um, I don't. Awful. I don't know that everybody stayed, but certainly some people did. I mean, it's not. Let's face it. Sometimes you can't leave. I mean, yeah, I get that. Not everybody has the opportunity to just pick up and leave where they live, no I matter mean, how bad it is. I get that. Yeah. I mean, I probably would have tried like some Phillips head screws at this point. Something. Maybe they put like a chair over it. I don't know. Yeah. Sit, sit Why is your couch place. in the middle of the room? Don't worry about it. <laughs> can I wait? Can I? Did, yes, go ahead. What, does it say anywhere what the hand looked like? Was it decomposed? It or, looked like, like um, actual it hand seemed hand. like it looked like a hand, but like I think it was sort of blackened, maybe decomposing, but it was just a, a dismembered hand. Okay, cool. Um, so they got in contact with Hans Holzer and he and Ethel, the medium that he worked with very frequently, went out in 1972. Man, I'd rather have Ethel come and tell me that what's haunting my house than Barbara from the case before. Barbara can fuck off. (laughs) Sorry. Back to Um, the story. But this neighborhood, the buildings were gone by then. There was no more neighborhood there. Um, And they walked through and she kept hearing 
ruffian, ruffian, like that kind of word. And she would hear cries and she, you know, was hearing the word ruffian over and over. Um, And they investigated, but they never, never got to the bottom of who was causing this haunting? Why were they there? Why was there a hand? What happened? Like they couldn't figure it out. Ruffian. Yeah. Okay. And that's like, I feel like that is a, an era specific that word, really is. That's... you know? I mean, I think I know that word a, because I grew up with my depression era grandparents right in their house and B. Uh, I really loved Annie and I feel like that okay. movie might have ruffian in it. A few I times. get that. I get that. I'm here for that. Um, <clears throat> so a lot of the information I have about this haunting comes from an episode of the Holzer files. Okay. Where our friends, Dave, Cindy, and Shane go out to this area <sighs> because Shane. they're yeah, poor Shane. Shane. Um, they're reviewing files that had never been closed. Right. And they find this one from the 70s where Hans Holzer just couldn't figure out what the fuck was going on in this neighborhood. So they go out. And Cindy gets to the location and she starts saying there's blood on his hands and she's seeing a spade and a shovel and digging a grave the body of a woman and a bad injury. And she's like, I'm seeing like a trail of blood. Like somebody dragged a body through this area. Jesus Christ. Um, And she's seeing claw marks in the blood and like a family that's affected by all of this. And she did some um, psychometry on the the ground, the area, like the bricks that were still there. Wait, that's, that's when you touch it and you take a reading from, okay. Yes. Yes. Um, And she's seeing a butcher knife and murder and a crying, screaming woman. And she feels that, you know, eventually she says, it feels like there's the murder of multiple people going on here. And it's a really big knife. I just keep seeing this big knife. And I feel like this is a serial killer. Jesus. So they go through, they, they interview people in the area who know about the haunting and who know about the neighborhood. And they speak to a man whose father, I believe, was the police chief. He sits down with Dave, Dave, eyebrow Dave. Mm-hmm. And he tells him all about the 1934 to 1938 torso murders. I'm sorry, what? The torso murders of Cleveland, Ohio, oh. which remains to this day an unsolved case of a serial killer who is in that area who would kill and dismember his victims and leave their body parts generally the torsos in areas where people would definitely find them no i'm not no 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 i'm not here for this shit nope that's like some that's no this was such a big deal the count that they had was 12 bodies and I didn't go through and put down every single name. If you go to the Wikipedia about the torso murders in Cleveland, you can see every single picture or death mask or whatever the fuck they still have with everybody's name on it. But I'm not going through all of that. I'm cool. That's fine. Um, So they didn't have any sort of serial killer science at the time, but Cleveland actually brought in 
Elliot Ness. <gasps> because that's really? what a huge deal this was. And he couldn't figure it out either. This feels like the Cleveland Black Dahlia, but on a really big scale. Right. And I'm shocked that this isn't as sensationalized as the Black Dahlia is. Right. Because I remember hearing about it like, how do I not know this with right. like all the true crime that I've listened to? And the first time that I saw it on the Holzer Files, I was like, mm, this sounds like a really great story, but like, I haven't heard this. Yeah. Let me check it out. And it's, all of the headlines, all of the old newspapers, everything is fucking there. That's crazy. The other thing that the, the interviewees in this case were saying was there were very similar paranormal experiences happening in that area, in the Mason Court and that neighborhood area, but also in a railroad roundhouse not too far away. What's, similar a, what's things. that? That's like where the trains are kept and, you know, where they're serviced and oh, they take okay. care of them. Okay. Um, so it was. So wait, the, similar things were happening there? Like hands were appearing and shit? At the railroad, shit at the, the at the up. railway house. Yeah. Um, so the B&O roundhouse, there were people like the, the railroad workers who, you know, if they were mechanics or people that were working on the railroad, whatever, whoever the employees at this place, there were places they refused to work in the building. Mm -hmm. There were certain cars that they refused to work on. One they called the death car. Oh, no, no big deal. Which aside from serial killer stuff, there's a car there that was running late. And of course they were trying to make up time. Because of course, why wouldn't they? Right. But in their rush to get to their next station on time, they crashed into another train and a valve blew. One of the steam valves blew in the car and essentially steamed 28 people oh, to death awful. in the car. That's awful. So on this car, people will hear noises in the women's bathroom. They'll see the shadow apparition of a woman. Um, there is an engine pit outside of this car elsewhere in the roundhouse that's like a four foot ditch. It's kind of like um, the pit like, that you would work on under a car. Yeah. Like it's so you, you can serve oil changed. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but it's very long because yeah. train cars. Obviously. So um, people there in the pit felt a hand grab their legs. They felt <gasps> other things happen. And Mason court is half a mile ish from the train tracks. So these train tracks went right through this neighborhood that's experiencing all of these very similar, very bizarre, specific things about a disembodied hand haunting the area. So um, Holzer Files, they go in to investigate the roundhouse. Yeah. And Cindy is walking around and she is seeing a woman with a slit throat who's bleeding. Yeah. And she feels like she's looking through the eyes of the murderer, like they've lured the person in pretending to need help. Into the house? Wherever it was. Wherever I mean, it it's was. kind of nonspecific because she said that she was feeling like she was seeing it as the murderer. Like the murderer was there, like showing her things. Like she was seeing it from their point of view. That mean that like whoever like the murderer had jumped her. No, I don't think it was that. I think it was just that she was picking up those impressions. Okay, she didn't okay. seem. I don't recall her feeling like distressed, okay. other than the fact of you know what she was seeing. Um, but it didn't okay. feel like an Amy Allen, you know, 
get off of me sort of situation. Um, So she was investigating. She was asking questions. They would hear loud bangs after asking questions. Um, She was seeing shadows and then she was in the death car. So she was specifically picking up things about the people who died there. Right. Like they're separate entities, almost like the death car had its own little bubble of spirits. Right. But outside of that felt more like it was that serial killer's domain to just sort of stalk and be like, I'm fucking here still. Like the death car, they're both traumatic in like the death car deaths were really fucking bad. But like then you've got this other traumatic where it's just bunkers serial killer and it's like i can't imagine that you've got all of these poor you know souls or whatever just stuck trapped in this car and they've got this evil motherfucker just stalking about outside the car yeah and like i can't i can't tell if they interact right like i don't know if they're aware of one another or if they're even on the same like plane right but she said that the woman on the train car was just pissed like she was not the murderer. She was pissed that she died on the train and that the train was like a time capsule, mm. but the killer was absolutely not remorseful. And he was very clever and he knew he was because he got the fuck away with it. Right. And he thought it was funny to kill people. That was fuck the off. impression that she got. Um, she was doing automatic writing on the train car. Um she was saying that the killer is why they scream at night. They're like screaming for their lives. And then all of a sudden she was like, I'm worried about Shane. Is Shane okay? Because <gasps> of course, where would Shane be during this time? They put him in the hole. Of course he's in the pit. <laughs> Shane, why did they do this? That's so, so unfair. He's not happy as usual, but well, he's down there doing yeah. an EVP session. Something gets thrown at him. He's hearing footsteps and he's like, I don't know how anyone is walking around down here because there's a train. So how am I hearing somebody walking around next to me when there's no room for them to walk around? Um, and he eventually screams because his leg is grabbed by no. something. And he just gets the fuck out. He's like, I'm fucking done with this shit. This is stupid. Right. But sort of concurrently, Cindy is doing the automatic writing and getting these impressions and she's worried about Shane. And then she goes, there's a man talking to Dave outside. And at that moment, you know, they cut to Dave and he's outside and he's hearing people talking and he's hearing a scream. And then he sees something (gasps) walking and he was like, we had, we had to have gotten that on tape. We have to have that on video. And later when they review everything, there's a very clear silhouette of a person walking exactly at the time he said that they saw someone in the same room with them, like very clearly. And it's not like taking steps walking. It's that like glidey sort of. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, yes, no. yes, 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 yes. Like, Okay. <laughs> No, no. Um, so Dave is seeing this person walking through. He's screaming, who is that? At this fully formed shadow that he sees walking by yeah, and doesn't shit. get an answer. So when they review things later, one of the craziest EVPs they get is they're talking and asking if it's the killer and who are you and this and that. And it comes back saying, just passing through. No, thank you. 
No, and thank you. when they review Shane's video, you see him in the pit, like freaking out and you can hear like the microphones picked up the footsteps. It wasn't just something that was like on an EVP. Like it was stuff that he was hearing at the time, picking up on the video. And there's a hand that they caught. So it's not just the shadow figure. Like you can see like a black you can hand see like coming hand? out of a wall as he's saying he got grabbed. It's super creepy. <laughs> I don't like this. So here's the thing. They gathered all of this stuff together, all the information, the headlines from the 30s, the same kinds of killings were happening as far away from Cleveland, Ohio as like out in Pennsylvania. And they were all off the railroad. That was my next question. So they believe it was one of the railroad workers who was stopping over and killing whomever he found and then bouncing because they would only be there overnight sometimes, maybe a day, and then just riding the railway back and forth, killing whoever he found, and no one could nail them down because they never stayed there. So it's these people they think are just like crying out all the time, like, I need some kind of justice for this so wait but they found how many bodies in this one small town in how just the that and just in cleveland in that area yeah. 12 that were attributed to him just there like that's fucking ballsy that's and that's ballsy. in a like i would do like not i would i'm, I'm not a serial <laughs> killer if i let's just okay this was in a four-year period yeah, but still. So like, that's like three a year. Yeah. If we're averaging just in Cleveland, forget about wherever else you went and the ones that nobody saw. Oh my God. This is like some prolific shit right here. But like that neighborhood, even now, there's no houses there. Oh, the buildings are though. gone, but people still report things in that area. And the roundhouse for the railroad still has a ton of activity going on. And it's not just the killer. It's that whole death car too. I remember watching that for the first time and being very like affected by it. I mean, it's, it's like murder is never, murder's never like, I don't know, like insignificant. I'm like not finding the proper words, but there's a different level of, obviously there's a different level of murder when it's a methodical serial killer. I don't care. This is for fun because it's amusing me sort of way. But the things that one needs to do to a human body in order to dismember it is a very different fucking thing than stabbing somebody and walking away. Right. Like that is a completely different level of atrocity. Yeah. So all of that happening and all of that like emotion just being stuck there. And it's in the ground. Like that's something that you and I have talked about in the past about why certain areas, like you you look at Gettysburg, why is Gettysburg so haunted? Yeah. Well, it's not just the traumatic deaths that happen there. It's like 
that their blood is in the soil mm-hmm. like that you know what i mean and it just it goes back to um level it goes back to the the ruffian 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 yeah. thing that ethel she picked up on it just this person who was traveling through and sort of inconsequential in a way no it was a nobody you know it was like the perfect joy (laughs) thanks i try that gets that gets my 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 true crime murder porn going i was like doing my like dry runs sort of whenever we do the historical ones i'll be like okay tim listen i know you don't care but listen (laughs) Because it's good for me to like tell it one more time. So I have an idea of how I want to put it together. Yeah. And I'm like, man, like, whoo, the true crime thing. Like, I know it's not a true crime podcast, but a lot of times you can't have a good haunting without a good true crime story behind it. Legit. It's fucking terrifying. And just the fact that it starts with like a hand coming up out of a trap door. Yeah, fuck that. When you think like you would think that's the aggressor. Right. right. And it's not at all. So do you think it the hand was like a victim trying yes. to get help? Yes. Yes. Because it was a woman screaming. It was a woman that they heard screaming and crying and moaning. So that same hand that was coming out of that floor, is that do you do, do you think that was also the hand that was grabbing Shane's leg? I don't know, because it wasn't the same location. Yeah, but those ho- those houses aren't there anymore. So, like, where else? Oh no, but they feel all that stuff else's? still there. Yeah, no, no, no. But what I mean is, like, if those houses aren't there anymore, then those there's not that steady like presence of people. Would they then be gravitating like, toward where there are yeah. people? Yeah, I want to say no. Hear me out. Go for it. We're talking about twelve people legit uh, some of them were certainly found in the mason court area i don't know if this person took pieces or entire bodies back to the roundhouse what if that's where he dismembered them what if he dismembered them in the pit like i'm also just making shit up i have no idea but what if that's where it happened well they and... also have um uh, uh fuck the ovens the oh the furnaces furnaces it's true but this person wanted to show people what they did Jesus Christ. i mean they they specifically were saying that these cases the torsos were found in places they would be found yeah. like it was displayed like you were saying like the black dahlia like it was put out there to be like look what I did. I'm fucking smarter than all of you. You'll never catch me because I'm already in another town on the railroad. Bye. Fuck that. Yeah. No, thank you. So listen, the moral of the story is a creepy hand coming up out of the floor might just need your help, dude. They just need another helping hand. Oh, she's so mad at me, guys. Oh, Somebody joy. held. Someone else had to laugh oh, at that. Come on. Joy. Come on. Bless. <laughs> so that's my story about the torso murders and their subsequent hauntings. Yeah, I love them. Thank you. And if you want to watch it, um, it's the Phantom Hand episode of The Holzer Files. I highly, highly recommend watching it. I love that. 
And if I got anything wrong, you can totally tell me. I can take it. Yeah, slide <laughs> if into If I misremembered DMs. something, let me know. <laughs> slide into those DMs over there. Yeah. Um, so it's Halloween. Like it's Halloween. Halloween. Like we're releasing this on Halloween. So if you're listening to this like on November 1st, sorry, this doesn't <laughs> apply to you. Um I will say uh, tomorrow, November 1st, is one of my favorite times of year. November 1st and February 15th are two of my favorite days of the year because it's half price candy day. <gasps> You're fucking right. Thank you. Yeah. Um, CVS all the fucking way. Just go there. Yeah. Boom. Go do that, that, you know, twice a year special, getting an actual shopping cart at CVS. All that shit in. And listen, if you don't like York peppermint patties, I do. So if you want to pick me up some so I can keep them in the vegetable drawer in my fridge, so I'm the only one that eats them and hide them under the kale, feel free (laughs) to grab me some. What are you grateful for? But oh Halloween edition. Halloween edition. What am I grateful for? Um Look at me trying to think about something. I know. Jesus what am I doing right now? I'm going to stop thinking. Um, I, I'll actually just say probably the truest thing because we already discussed this. <laughs> I'm really grateful that I just got my laptop fixed <laughs> because your humble editress here um, has had a problem with the backlight on the screen. So I've only been able to open it about 25 to 30 degrees to use the laptop for approximately two years. I'm going to actually go with three. It's not, it hasn't been that long. <laughs> it hasn't been that long, but it's probably, it might be more than two, but let's just say two. Um, <laughs> so I finally got it fixed and I, I've been so accustomed to editing on it where I just sort of like put it on its end while I'm sitting cross-legged on the bed and I just can peer in a little bit and move the the trackpad with my one tiny finger um, that now it's just a whole new world where I can use a table and open the screen 90 degrees and it's very exciting and also it was um under the apple lemon law so i didn't have to fucking pay for it which was even better so i went to the oc and saw their gigantic mall uh and brought it to the apple store but they sent it back to me at my house so i didn't have to go back to the oc to go get it which was very helpful uh so editing will (laughs) be less arduous from now on for me so happy for you (laughs) so Uh, happy for you (laughs) I think I have a picture of me editing like last week that I had Tim take right didn't I send you a picture yes yes. I'll have to post that so everybody can see how I've been working (laughs) because I'm an asshole to myself you just may be a little stubborn slightly what are you grateful for Well, Joy, funny you should ask. I am grateful that I have a legitimate excuse to watch The Worst Witch uh, fucking over and over again and sing my uh, great Tim Curry songs really loudly 
anything can happen on Halloween. Um, with the with its amazing 1986 uh, video special effects. I can't with you in this movie. I listen. If there are three movies, I will. I'm. Would I need like it's my life's mission to get you to sit through West no, Witch, no. original one, no. uh, with uh, Feruza Bulk in it and Tim Curry and Diana Rigg, and then the other one is Spice World, and then <laughs> Romy and Michelle. Like I will watch three movies of yours that you love. No, you won't. Yes, no. I will. Listen, I'm pinky, pinky swear right now through. Mm. I will watch three of your favorite movies that I haven't seen that I normally would be like, nope, definitely not. If you watch these three with me. (laughs) This bitch has no idea what she's agreeing to. Listen, it's cool. I can close my eyes anytime I want. That's my dog agreeing. Um, Okay. Okay. Um, We'll see. You know when this will happen? It'll happen when I can't sleep when we're doing a hotel investigation and I'm scared out of my mind and I'll be like, fine, put on fucking Spice World yes. and we'll see if the ghosts show up. Fine. And, you know, for anyone listening, um, Romy and Michelle right now is streaming on Hulu so you can catch it there. It's like she's getting paid. And you should get residuals Witch. from your freaking bump. There you go. Um, Thank you. Worst Witch is streaming. You can find it on YouTube. And it's not one of those part one through six. It's actually the entire hour and something. Because no one cares on enough to be like, just take it down. down. No one cares. <laughs> Listen, is there anything better than Tim Curry? singing has anyone seen my tambourine and he whips his tambourine out from under his cloak and just starts fucking i going really, for it with the tambourine I, I prefer the i prefer the negligee too who doesn't Come i on, mean man. it would be better if he'd whipped it out while he's negligee why didn't i ever like, make my husband dress up like that for halloween it's still time there's not we have a young kid there's still time. It's not. He won't be young forever. You Neither will be my there. husband. Oh, mm. <laughs> Listen. Joy, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. I hope it's I fucking, fucking love scary. Halloween. But not too scary. Like exactly. Like legit real life, real world scary. Just like yeah, no. cute, cute scary. Yeah, like, like nobody really come in my house with a knife. No. No, no, no. And the ghost, ghost, go get your full size candy bars somewhere else because you don't need to come in my house either. Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. 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 Nope. Ghost free well, zone. Until next time. Don't be afraid of the dark. <laughs> uh, but I will. Was that you? Was that me what? There was a bing noise. A bing? I turned on my notification. A Chandler bing? Yeah, like a messenger noise. No. But I didn't get any messages. Not me. Creepy. It was a ghost. Totally. Sliding into your DMs, girl.
Oh, they, they want to wade up in your ectoplasm. Get it, throwback. Mm, Listen yeah. to that episode. Beep, 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 oh beep, my beep. gosh. Anything can happen. Oh, Halloween. Oh, man. I'm so sorry you guys had to hear about this movie so much. We'll be back for our next episode at our regularly scheduled time on our regularly scheduled that channel. Uh, We love you. Emily is stuck. So I'm going to go and plug her and I'll plug her back in and see if that helps. Uh, We love you guys. Happy Halloween. Bye. I love you, boo. So, like, fucking scare me. <laughs> <laughs>